BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I have trouble sleeping. I have insomnia. No matter what I tried, it wouldn't work until I met Mike Lindell and I got my very own My Pillow. It has changed my life. What makes My Pillow so different is My Pillow's patented adjustable fill. In other words, you can adjust the patented fill to your exact individual needs so you get the support you need and want to help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-919-6090. Remember, use the promo code Hannity. When you do, Mike Lindell will give you his best offer ever. Buy one pillow and get another one absolutely free. MyPillow, made in the USA, 10-year unconditional warranty, and it has a 60-day, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So it's time for you to start getting the quality of sleep that you've been wanting and we need. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity. Take advantage of Mike's special two-for-one offer. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. The FBI paid Christopher Steele, the author of the dossier. Uh, those are matters you'll have to uh, direct to the, um, uh, I think, maybe the special counsel. And why is that? It's just, I'm just asking if someone... Well, I'm not able to uh, reveal uh, internal investigatory uh, matters you know, in here that's under the investigation of anybody, but particularly, I think... The, this happened uh, in the summer of 2016. We know the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee, paid through a law firm, Fusion GPS, to produce the dossier. We know the author was Christopher Steele. It's been reported that he was on the payroll of the FBI. I'm just wanting to know if, in fact, that is the case. I'm not able to provide an answer to you. Did the FBI present the dossier to the FISA court? I'm not able to answer that. Do you know if the FBI did the established process, protocol in evaluating claims made in the dossier? 
I'm not able to answer that. On January 6th, then FBI Director James Comey briefed President-elect Trump up in New York about the dossier. Shortly thereafter, that the fact that that meeting took place and the subject of the meeting was the dossier was leaked to CNN. Do you know who leaked that information? I do not. Are you investigating who leaked that information? That would be a matter within the investigatory uh, powers of the special counsel. You said you got a number of investigations going on, Mr. Attorney General, regarding leaks. Is that likely one of those that you're investigating? I'm not able to reveal the existence of investigations or not. But my concern is we sent you a letter three and a half months ago asking for a second special counsel. And if you're now just considering it, what's it going to take to get a special counsel? We know that we know that former FBI director James Comey misled the American people in the summer of 2016 when he called the Clinton investigation a matter. It's obviously an investigation. We know FBI director Comey was drafting an exoneration letter before the investigation was complete. We know Loretta Lynch, one day before the Benghazi report came out, five days before Secretary Clinton was scheduled to be interviewed by the FBI, met with former President Bill Clinton on a tarmac in Phoenix. Um, we know after that meeting, when she was corresponding with public relations people at the Justice Department, she was using the name Elizabeth Carlisle. You know, as I've said before, it seems to me if you're just talking golf and grandkids, you can probably use your real name. We know that Mr. Comey publicized the investigation, and we know he made the final decision on whether to prosecute or not. And then when he gets fired, he leaks a government document through a friend to the New York Times, and what was his goal? to create momentum for a special counsel. And of course, it can't just be any special counsel. It's got to be Bob Mueller, his best friend, his predecessor, his mentor. The same Bob Mueller who was involved, we've now learned in this whole investigation with the informant regarding uh, Russian businesses wanting to do business in the Iranian business here in the United States regarding the Iranian One deal. So I guess my main question is, what's it going to take if all that, not to mention the dossier information, what's it going to take to actually get a special counsel? It will take a factual basis that meets the standards of the appointment of a special counsel. Is that analysis going on right now? Well, it's in the uh, manual of the Department of Justice about what's required. We've only had two. The first one was the Waco, Janet Reno, um, Senator Danforth, who took over that investigation as special counsel, and Mr. Mueller. Each of those are pretty uh, special factual situations. Let me ask it this way. And we will use the proper standards, and that's what only thing I can tell you, Mr. Jordan. Well, I I appreciate that. You can have your idea, but sometimes we have to study what the facts are and to evaluate whether it meets the standard that requires a special counsel. Well, we know one fact. We know the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee paid for, uh, through the law firm, paid for the dossier. We know that happened. And it sure looks like... The FBI was paying the author of that document, and it sure looks like a major political party was working with the federal government to then turn an opposition research document, the equivalent of some National Enquirer story, into an intelligence document, take that to the FISA court so that they could then get a warrant to spy on Americans associated with President Trump's campaign. That's what it looks like. And I'm asking you, doesn't that warrant, in addition to all the things we know about James Comey in 2016, doesn't that warrant naming a second special counsel, as 20 members of this committee wrote you three and a half months ago, asking you to do. 
Well, Mr. Comey is no longer the director of the FBI. Thank goodness. We have an excellent man of integrity and ability in Chris Ray, and I think he's going to do an outstanding job, and I'm very happy about that. He's not here today, that. Attorney General. And I would say, you are, and I'm asking for a special The time counsel. of the gentleman and I would say expired. looks like is not enough basis to appoint a special counsel. All right, glad you're with us, and happy Tuesday edition, Sean Hannity Show, right down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800 941 Sean. You want to be a part of the program. Congressman Ron DeSantis, who sits on the House Judiciary Committee that have been grilling Jeff Sessions uh, for the better part of the day, uh, will be with us. Uh, a lot to a lot to take out of all of that. Sarah Carter also joins us today. Burgess Owens, NFL Super Bowl champion, author of the book, I love the title, Liberalism or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps, which most liberals are. Oh, that's outrageous, Hannity. How could you say that? Uh, now, let me, I don't know. Let's put it this way. Let, let me start by just telling you something that is a fact. I know more than I can tell you. Hannity, that's not fair. That's your job. You are supposed to share all you know. There are there are things that are happening by the way, I'll probably get a subpoena for this, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. There are things that are going on. There are a lot of moving parts in all of this, and so I can't give you all of what I know, but I, I can get very close to telling you all of what I know. Now, if you listen to Sessions today, under questioning from Jim Jordan, you know, that you just heard, he's suggesting that the Justice Department is yet to, quote, find a factual basis. These are his... These are carefully crafted words that Jeff Sessions is using that would support the appointment of a special prosecutor to invest Hillary Clinton. A lot of us are sitting there saying, oh, man, Hannity, you've told us all about Uranium One. You've told us all about uh, the dossier. You've told us all about the email server scandal. You've gone over all the crimes that potentially likely were committed by Hillary Clinton. And and Jordan, rightly so, is frustrated. Hannity, you're frustrated. Hannity, you like the. You you like uh, you like Jim Jordan. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus, by the way. See why I like the Freedom Caucus so much. They are it. They're the they're the people I trust in Washington today. And beyond that, not a whole lot of other people. That's just being frank. So Jordan is telling Sessions that he appreciated the fact that the Justice Department was looking at a special counsel to investigate Uranium One and the Clinton Foundation. Now remember yesterday's remember yesterday's news. That all of this happened because of the letter that these congressmen sent three and a half months ago. And by the way, the Justice Department then has an obligation to look into these things. But then there was some ambiguity as to whether or not Jeff Sessions had recused himself from the issues of Uranium One, the dossier, etc. I now have sources that have told me repeatedly now that, in fact, there he did not recuse himself from those specific issues. But if there is an ongoing investigation, it's not something that he's going to say in an open session or in any session likely with congressmen. Uh, But I'm pretty confident all of that is going on. And Jordan, you know, obviously is as frustrated as I have been over time. It has taken a long time of really deep investigative digging by myself by people like Sarah Carter, who joins us later, by people like John Solomon and others to get us to the point we are in all of these things. 
I mean, I'll give you one example. James Comey, FBI director, James Comey. Okay, well, here's a guy that made a conclusion about a, a criminal case, not a matter, a criminal investigation before he even interviewed the main people for the investigation. That tells me the fix is in. And James Comey was a part of it. He even used the exact language of what the legal standard is, gross negligence. And after three versions of his exoneration letter were written before he ever did the investigation, well, then they changed it to extreme carelessness because then that doesn't, quote, use the exact verbiage of what the statute says. And then you got the meeting, the inappropriate meeting on the tarmac with Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton. Then you've got Comey sitting with Loretta Lynch. No, don't call it an investigation. Call it what the Clintons wanted to be called. Call it a matter. Well, James Comey needs a full investigation, not even discussing the fact that he purposely leaked information through a friend of his to the New York Times to spark an investigation. All right, so I can say beyond any shadow of a doubt, there is movement, there is an investigation, although the Justice Department and Jeff Sessions is not, he cannot possibly reveal this. But I'm pretty confident that that's going on. Anyway, now we've got, Hours after the Justice Department issued a statement late last night that they're considering the appointment of a special uh, counsel to investigate the Clinton Foundation ties to the Uranium One scandal. Well, now then today, Jeff Sessions said he didn't think there's enough evidence to warrant the appointment, warrant the appointment of a special counsel. And that was in the Politico today. And he threw cold water on it at this congressional hearing when he was being pressed by Jim Jordan. And Jordan said that he thought the evidence unearthed in last year about how the FBI decided not to charge Clinton over her handling of classified information at the State Department appeared to be enough to warrant the special counsel. I happen to agree with Jeff Sessions. I'm sorry, I agree with Jim Jordan, not Jeff Sessions. And it looks like there's not enough basis, Sessions is saying, to appoint a special counsel. That doesn't mean an investigation is not ongoing. But the only question is, how deep is this going to be? Now, I have sources that are pretty confident and pretty reliable that there's about to be a major shakeup coming to the FBI and big names by the end of next week are going to be leaving. Probably shown the door is more likely the scenario. So that's telling in terms of maybe some of the holdovers from the Obama administration that have obstructed in some way and haven't done their full due diligence on these issues. They may now be pushed out of the way, and the investigation will go forward. Uranium One's a perfect example. Uranium One is a case where, okay, how is it possible America imports uranium because we don't have enough of it? How is it possible we knew in 2009 because we had an FBI informant inside of this network that Putin had put into this country that was involved in bribery and extortion and money laundering and kickbacks and, and racketeering, and that Mueller knew it, Eric Holder knew it. Eric Holder was one of the nine to sign off on the Uranium One deal a year and a half later, and the same with Hillary Clinton a year and a half later. Then you got the whole aspect of the Clintons enriching themselves through Bill's speeches, wanting to meet with nuclear officials in Russia, asking Hillary's State Department, but instead just meets with Vladimir himself, and they did nothing to stop the crimes that were being committed. Now, we had a, the, the informant, for four years inside of this network of Putin. Four years. A little over four years. And and he was reporting back to the FBI. And then they put an NDA on him, which has now been lifted. There's a lot coming out of that. You just got to be patient, unfortunately, and I'm not that patient. And then on top of all that, then you've got, you know, he has documents. He has firsthand experience. He's got emails, and he's got tape recordings. 
Can't wait for all this to become public. And also, on top of it, Sessions revealed more than two dozen investigators looking into the illegal leaks of the deep state. That's good to know. 27 at least. And then we've got the dossier issue. So we've got a lot of stuff coming out here. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. A lot, of, a lot coming up in the course of the program today. Uh, the latest on Roy Moore is that Ted Cruz and John Corner now have pulled their endorsements. And as an outside observer... Unless uh, unless Roy Moore comes up with something that is able to to somehow either contradict that that note that he wrote in that yearbook, that 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 to me is like the smoking gun for him. He needs to explain this away or he's not going to make it, nor should he make it. How do you explain that when you said you didn't know the person? Big problem there for him. And I told you, if you wait, you actually get facts and you begin to make informed decisions. Oh, Hannity, what a novel idea. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue this busy Breaking News Tuesday. Hey, you know how I love hearing great American success stories and sharing them all with you. Well, our favorite T-shirt, underwear, sock company, Tommy John, well, that's one of them. Now, Tom Patterson grew up in a small town in South Dakota. After college, he had a successful career. He was selling medical devices on the West Coast. But he quickly became fed up with the way his undershirt kept coming untucked. So despite having zero background in men's fashion whatsoever, Tom sketched up some designs for smarter undergarments. Now, starting out of his apartment and growing Tommy John to the globally recognized company it is today, well, he achieved, Tom did, the American dream. Now, of course, they're super soft. They're undershirts. Guess what? They never come untucked. Plus, all of Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, guarantee, or it's free. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Hannity for 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. You get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. 20% off. That's TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. All right, as a follow-up on a promise I made yesterday. All right, how did it go? You put up about how long ago the... We have made a decision, and we're giving away 500 Keurig coffee makers. I wouldn't say we're giving them away. I would say that we gave them away. What happened? We put the contest up um, a little while ago, and we put it up on your Facebook and your no. Twitter, you know, all of your social. So what happened? And we made an announcement on our website, and within 15 minutes, we had over 500 entries. <laughs> Are you serious? People like coffee. Oh, man. Well, but you're going to set it for those people that can prove they had broken their machine to support me. If you me. sent us a video yeah. over the weekend okay, and you tweeted at Sean. This and, weekend. And it happened on Sunday or Monday or right. whatever. Um, we're going to make an effort to reach them. We are going to make an effort to reach out to them. And they're going to be one of the winners. And we will make sure to replace your well, hopefully we're gonna we're cake. gonna get good ones, right? What we need only to, the best. What you need to do is to make this easier. We can't get the Keurig, the Keurigs to come here. You need to get the, their address and mail them directly. I wish I had thought of that. Oh, you already did. Is that yeah. what you're telling me? Yeah, the submission form right. where they put their but name and sure, their address in. Yeah, but we have to be able to confirm that it was on their social before for the ones that broke it. Those are extra ones on top of the 500 you've already I given away. I do research for a living. I will oh, be my sure gosh. to look thoroughly into these uh, Keurig lost causes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I promise. By the way, that's a pretty cool gift, right? I think it's fantastic. And by the way, all well that ends well. I mean, that's amazing. Listen, it's all kumbaya. It's the holiday season. Well, We're I honestly, back. as I said last night, I said yesterday, Keurig was a victim 
of, you know, a bigot and a bunch of the biggest free anti-free speech pro-censorship group in America and that they targeted. And so it was I felt bad for them. And, you know, I don't want to see anybody at Keurig lose their job because we start instigating uh, a big boycott, which I've never supported. And everyone's breaking their machines and then buying other brands. I, I, although I like other brands, too, but I, I happen to have Keurig. And so everybody, you know, all well then and well, right? Have a cup of apolitical Joe. All right, Sean Hannity Show, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. Some really fascinating developments as it relates to what has been going on with uh, Roy Moore uh, and the cascading impact of uh, now this whole Me Too campaign and, and people speaking out. Uh, You've got a yesterday Mitch McConnell said Judge Moore was unfit to serve in Congress. Paul Ryan said it today. Uh, I know that we have other Republicans. John Cornyn and Senator Ted Cruz also have pulled their endorsement uh, for Judge Roy Moore. Uh, I think a lot of this has to do. And, you know, one of the reasons you wait for more information because it becomes more revealing And when you see, you know, Judge Moore said about the fifth woman that he had no idea who she was. And this is the one that had the press conference yesterday. And then that woman then produced a yearbook and, you know, note that he sent uh, and that he wrote in 1977. Now, you might say, well, maybe he didn't remember. But the problem is now this is number five. Um, and I think that is now resulting in it is becoming to a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of people that that is for them. Now, does it mean 100 percent? didn't. If Judge Moore doesn't have an answer for this. Then I think that that's probably it. Now, people have pointed out to me on social media again and again. Well, it doesn't look like his handwriting. I am not a handwriting expert, but it looked like his handwriting to me. And they're like, look at the seven. The seven's not the same. I'm I'm looking at everything that everybody else has looked at. It looked like his signature and looked like he dated it. Um, so I don't know why uh, he's not, not responding, not taking any interviews. And it prevents, uh, it literally now has, has presented now a whole variety of problems, obviously, for Republicans. Um, although there, obviously the, the statute of limitations have passed, et cetera, et cetera, there's still only one girl that was under age at the age of 14, and um, nobody is, has heard from her. I've read some articles. I, I'm very uncomfortable when people start writing, well, she had a divorce. Okay, well, that doesn't mean anything. She had two div- I don't care how many divorces she had. You know, you don't know what happened. Or that, oh, she's had financial trouble. No, I think you've got to listen closely to when people make remarks, and then you've got to wait, watch, be patient, and see for all the information to come in. But I, I think it's 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 definitely a hundred times more problematic because he said he didn't know her, and there is this entry into the yearbook. Uh, now, th- there's so many things that are developing out of this that may ultimately be a good thing. And that is you have a congresswoman alleging male colleagues expose themselves and grab women's genitals on the House floor. I thought they had cameras on in there all the time. And if it happened, can we get the footage of this? And then those people can be thrown out of Congress. You know, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and 
you know, when you have somebody like Ted Cruz who says, all right, this is now to the point where it, it seems very credible because of the yearbook inscription of this guy. All right. So the congresswoman's name is Jackie Spire. And, you know, if she testified truthfully today, it sounds like there's going to be people in Capitol Hill. They're going to be part of this cascading of people being exposed for the strangest behavior. House Administration Committee held a hearing on sexual harassment in Congress, calling House members to testify. Anyway, this Demo- she's a Democrat, Jackie Spire. She represents California's 14th district. She dropped a bombshell allegation in her testimony, saying that two active members of Congress are known to be sexual harassers. Quote, in fact, there are two members of Congress, Republican, a Republican, and a Democrat right now who serve who have been subject to review or have not been subject to review, but have engaged in sexual harassment, she said in her testimony. And she described the alleged actions of these two individuals who have yet to be officially named. And she said the victims had their private parts grabbed on the House floor, accused the unnamed colleagues of exposing their genitals. Now, all they ask in return as staff members is to be able to work in a hostile, free work environment, she continued. She said... They want the system fixed and the perpetrators held accountable. And then she went on to say she was just starting her career in politics and the chief of staff in her office sexually assaulted her. Barbara Comstock, who I've known for years, also told the committee that incidents of sexual harassment and assault were likely being conducted by current House members, telling the story of an unnamed representative who allegedly showed their genitals to a female staffer. What is wrong with these people? I don't you know. It's like Louis C.K. I mean, I read that story and I want to vomit. What is wrong with people? Anyway, you have a, a top, you know, one, one thing that is interesting. This is where I want to go with with all of this. Uh, Mo Brooks says he's for now standing by more, but he's not ruling out running as a right. And he was my original choice down in Alabama. Um, you know, you did have. The whole issue of Bob Menendez, the you know, you have witnesses against the New Jersey Democratic senator, you know, were so credible that a federal grand jury indicted him. And we're waiting to see what has happened. Anyway, his trial jury announced today that they're dead yesterday that they're deadlocked, but the indictment still stands. And, you know, one thing I, I will say, you know, is is anybody ever talk about the, the incidents involving him? You know, because uh, if you go back, for example, you know, and I know Menendez's lawyers are unhappy with the instructions, but and the Alabama secretary of state standing by Roy Moore. But it's an interesting impact to all of this. And, you know, as somebody that is watching all of this unfold, like all of you, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, think of Ted Kennedy. He killed a woman. You know, I know all these Republicans thought they were best friends with the lion of the Senate. In Chappaqua, he drove a a car into a into a into a literally water body of water, and then he got out, saved himself, left the girl in there, and she died. And when he left, he didn't go to get help. He went home and went to bed, and told nobody. And the girl died in the process. And there was a home across the street with a light on that night. And all he had to do was race over there, say, please help, please help. There's a girl in the, you know, in a car that just went in the water. He didn't do that. 
Then you got, I was shocked by this piece in the New York Times, and it's now coming out everywhere. And liberals now are going to have to, you know, is it a time of reckoning for their support of Bill Clinton? Remember, I, I, I've interviewed all the Clinton women over the years many times. Dolly Kyle Browning, Paula Jones, Jennifer Flowers, Kathleen Willey, Juanita Broderick. Then it all happened with Monica Lewinsky, and people started to say, but, you know, if you think of the Clintons, they always denied it. The great champion of women's rights, Hillary Clinton, used every excuse, and then all their surrogates went out there, and every time they did the same thing, they smeared, they slandered, they besmirched, they attacked the women brutally, even Monica Lewinsky. So the New York Times has a headline, well, it's past time for the Clintons to be investigated for his victims of sexual assault. That's the headline. Starts out, be careful what you wish for. I have no idea what went on with Roy Moore. And the demands, this is, I'm reading from the piece, and the demands uh, increase for Republicans in Washington for him to get out of the Alabama Senate race. Now Texas Senator Ted Cruz has withdrawn his support for more, as has Utah Senator Mike Lee and Senators McCain and Flake. You know, but then it says if Moore, in fact, did what he's accused of, he should be gone from this race in an instant, which I agree with wholeheartedly with the decision made by the people of Alabama. Meanwhile, the Hollywood scandals, you know, proceed. Now even liberals are beginning to get the drift, if decades later, of the mess liberalism has created. This is a devastating column. And then it goes on, it's crystal clear, as noted in the American Spectator, blah, 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 blah. You know, who wrote this piece, by the way? Oh, this is, oh, sorry, this is the New York Times. This is the American Spectator. This was uh, Jeffrey Lord who's going to join us later. It's clear, as noted in this space, that, you know, in the 60s revolution and in, in, in dying in our eyes, death by a thousand cuts by the very liberal culture that gave it birth from Harvey Weinstein to Kevin Spacey and on and on. And all the celebrity names mentioned in these eye popping accounts, the industry glorified sex is now having second thoughts. But it only took a few decades. But now that this is happening and there's an apparent desire to revisit old charges, Democrats have now opened a Pandora's box, but go no further than this headline from The Atlantic. And I've got this reckoning with Bill Clinton's sex crimes from the left wing. That's what it says. Feminists saved the 42nd president of the United States. They were on the wrong side of history, and it's finally time to make things right. And it's true. You know, it's for a lot of people, a lot of this, as I, I, you know, I said, whatever is going on with Roy Moore needs to be above politics. It's too serious a charge. A 32-year-old man molesting a a 14-year-old girl, it's too serious. And as a father and as a brother and as somebody that has nothing but the utmost respect for women, I just, um, it's creepy, it's disgusting. And what is it with everybody you know, feeling that they have a right to take out their private parts and show people that don't want to see them. There's something really sick about this. Hey, Louis C. Ah, it's just, it's so creepy. But for all those people that participate, oh, drag a dollar through a trailer park. You never know what you're going to get. And the charges by the Clinton women were, un- in the case of Juanita Broderick, it was rape. In the case of Kathleen Willey, it was her going to see Bill Clinton in the Oval Office, getting grabbed and, and touched and fondled and groped and kissed by Bill Clinton, you know, against her will. 
In the case of Paula Jones, it was him literally dropping his pants and saying, kiss it. In the case of Jennifer Flowers, it was an ongoing affair, and then just, just, they just ran over her and called her every name in the book. And then there were so many other women, too. But the left, here's the piece I was talking about. I believe Juanita. This came out this week in the New York Times. And it said, on Friday night, MSNBC host Chris Hayes sent out a tweet that electrified online conservatives as gross and cynical and hypocritical as the right as the rights what about Bill Clinton stuff is. It's also true Democrats and the center left are overdue for a real reckoning with allegations against him. And his tweet inspired stories on Glenn Beck's The The Blaze and Breitbart and The Daily Caller and apparently eager to use the Clinton scandals to derail discussions about Roy Moore. That's that's not true, but there is a pointing out a double standard is legitimate. Just a legitimate fact. All of this, in my opinion, should transcend politics. If you abuse women. Then you shouldn't be in any position of power. And if you commit crimes, you should be put behind bars. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. But anyway, he actually said he agrees in The New York Times with Hayes. In this Me Too moment, we're reassessing decades of male misbehavior, turning open secrets and uh, open secrets into exposés, and we should clearly look at the credible evidence that Juanita Broderick told the truth when she accused Bill Clinton of raping her. I've interviewed, I had the second interview with Juanita Broderick. It took everything I could do in that interview not to cry. Cruz and Cornyn, I just think, what's the truth? That's what I've been saying since the beginning of this. Roy Moore now has an explanation. Either you're going to explain how you said you didn't know the woman, and she's got this, what do you call those books, the uh, yearbook that he wrote as, I guess he was in his 30s as an assistant DA at the time, to a girl graduating high school. It makes no sense to me the way he wrote that. That's just my take. Now he's got questions to answer. We'll invite him back. We'll invite the anybody that wants to come on this program. I'll interview everybody. That's what I do. I know it's surprising. I'm a controversial host. Have been my whole life and career. Not going to change tomorrow. All right, 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. Now, we have Congressman Ron DeSantis. He was there. He's on the House Judiciary Committee you know, the grilling of Jeff Sessions that has been going on throughout most of the day here. Uh, by the way, now now Ted Cruz is saying that, in fact, he should quit the Senate race. Paul Ryan is saying the same thing. And it just looks like, you know, Speaker, he should step aside because the allegations are credible. Well, now it appears that they are. Based on now evidence that we have. It's important you not rush to judgment. Either he comes out with a statement and talks about how he contradicted himself, or it's over. We'll have to see what happens in the next 24 hours, but it's looking like it's over to me. Uh, All right, we'll get to that. We have Jeff Lord. We have uh, Sarah Carter checking in, and Burgess Owens coming by today. So the second thing that concerned me when I asked Roy Moore if, um, and I'm just saying on the yearbook, it's like, wow, there's red flags there. And when I said, well, was it your general practice to date in your 30s when you're 32, girls in their late teens, not the 14-year-old, but the 17, 18? 
He goes, well, it wasn't my usual practice. And I usually, another time he said, well, I usually ask the parents' permission. I felt like he was dodgy. Anyway, we'll get your thoughts on it much more straight ahead. Did the FBI pay Christopher Steele, the author of the dossier? Uh, those are matters you'll have to uh, direct to the, um, uh, I think, maybe the special counsel. And why is that? It's just, I'm just asking if someone well, I'm not the payroll able of the to uh, reveal uh, internal investigatory uh, matters you know, in here that's under the investigation of anybody, but particularly, I think, the, this happened uh, in the summer of 2016. We know the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee paid through a law firm, Fusion GPS, to produce the dossier. We know the author was Christopher Steele. It's been reported that he was on the payroll of the FBI. I'm just wanting to know if, in fact, that is the case. I'm not able to provide an answer to you. Did the FBI present the dossier to the FISA court? I'm not able to answer that. Do you know if the FBI did the established process protocol in evaluating claims made in the dossier? I'm not able to answer that. On January 6, then FBI Director James Comey briefed President-elect Trump up in New York about the dossier. Shortly thereafter, that the fact that that meeting took place and the subject of the meeting was the dossier was leaked to CNN. Do you know who leaked that information? I do not. Are you investigating who leaked that information? That would be a matter within the investigatory uh, powers of the special counsel. You said you got a number of investigations going on, Mr. Attorney General, regarding leaks. Is that likely one of those that you're investigating? I'm not able to reveal the existence of investigations or not. But my concern is we sent you a letter three and a half months ago asking for a second special counsel. And if you're now just considering it, I... What's it going to take to get a special counsel? We know that we know that former FBI Director James Comey misled the American people in the summer of 2016 when he called the Clinton investigation a matter. It's obviously an investigation. We know FBI Director Comey was drafting an exoneration letter before the investigation was complete. We know Loretta Lynch, one day before the Benghazi report came out, five days before Secretary Clinton was scheduled to be interviewed by the FBI, met with former President Bill Clinton on a tarmac in Phoenix. Um, we know after that meeting, when she was corresponding with public relations people at the Justice Department, she was using the name Elizabeth Carlisle. You know, as I've said before, it seems to me if you're just talking golf and grandkids, you can probably use your real name. We know that Mr. Comey publicized the investigation, and we know he made the final decision on whether to prosecute or not. And then when he gets fired, he leaks a government document through a friend to the New York Times. And what was his goal? to create momentum for a special counsel. And of course, it can't just be any special counsel. It's got to be Bob Mueller, his best friend, his predecessor, his mentor. The same Bob Mueller who was involved, we've now learned in this whole investigation with the informant regarding uh, Russian businesses wanting to do business in the Iranian business here in the United States regarding the Iranian One deal. So I guess my main question is, what's it going to take if all that, not to mention the dossier information, what's it going to take to actually get a special counsel? It will take a factual basis that meets the standards of the appointment of a special and is counsel. That, is that analysis going on right now? Well, it's in the uh, manual of the Department of Justice about what's required. We've only had two. The first one was the Waco, Janet Reno, um, Senator Danforth, who took over that investigation as special counsel, and Mr. Mueller. Each of those are pretty uh, special factual situations. Let me ask it this and way. And we will use the proper standards, and that's what I only thing I can tell you, Mr. Jordan. Well, I, I appreciate that. You can that, have your ask... idea, but sometimes we have to study what the facts are and to evaluate so, whether it meets the standard well said. So requires let me ask you this. If in fact, a special counsel. 
Well, we know one fact. We know the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee paid for, uh, through the law firm, paid for the dossier. We know that happened. And it sure looks like the FBI was paying the author of that document. And it sure looks like a major political party was working with the federal government to then turn an opposition research document, the equivalent of some National Enquirer story, into an intelligence document, take that to the FISA court so that they could then get a warrant to spy on Americans associated with President Trump's campaign. That's what it looks like. And I'm asking you, doesn't that warrant, in addition to all the things we know about James Comey in 2016, doesn't that warrant naming a second special counsel, as 20 members of this committee wrote you three and a half months ago, asking you to do? Well, Mr. Comey is no longer the director of the FBI. Thank goodness. We have an excellent man of integrity and ability in Chris Ray, and I think he's going to do an outstanding job, and I'm very happy about that. He's not here today, that. Attorney General. And I would say, time you are, and I'm asking for a special time counsel. The gentleman and I would say expired. looks like is not enough basis to appoint a special counsel. All right, not enough basis. That was the fiery exchange, of course, with uh, Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, who's a frequent guest on this program, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, joining us now to discuss uh, a lot of this is Congressman Ron DeSantis, both members of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, discussing the uh, testimony given by the Attorney General. Uh, We start with Congressman DeSantis. Welcome back to the program, sir. How are you? What is your general reaction to that? He basically came out and said it doesn't appear to warrant a special counsel. And from my way of thinking, I don't know any other case that really would. It seems to me they, you know, I, I, look, it's possible, I guess, that there's an ongoing investigation that he can talk about, a serious investigation. But he's giving no indication that there is. And there's a feeling among people like me that we have a dual justice system in America. So, yeah, yeah, I think it was problematic. I mean, first of all, when he got confirmed, he said he was going to recuse for anything involving the Clintons, including the foundation. So he cannot be overseeing and be consistent with his testimony and investigation into the foundation and Uranium One. So I think Jim Jordan and, and me and other guys who are trying to push this, we've said it's pretty much a special counsel or bust because he's already said he was going to recuse under those circumstances. And I was able to question him after Jim did about whether the Obama administration's FBI informed the members of the board that approved the uranium deal. And, and Sessions didn't know, but he told me that, well, there was the McKiram guy who got convicted, but that was several years after. So I think he's operating under the assumption that the FBI informant who's come forward, who's going to provide this information to Congress, didn't start getting information until after this deal was approved, which is not correct, Sean, as you know. This FBI informant. That was 2009. 2009. It was a year and a half before the CFIUS board approved Uranium One. So there was all this evidence of bribery, kickbacks, uh, money laundering. He's providing his his communications to us. We're going to get all that. But I just I think that the attorney general is operating under a different set of assumptions than the rest of us who've actually uh, studied the case and know that this informant was out there collecting very damaging evidence very early on. All right. So now but this is the point, because we had Russian operatives inside the United States we knew because of the FBI informant. He was within the network. He has tape recordings. He has firsthand experience. He has documents. He has emails. He, they slapped an NDA on him, which has only been lifted recently. I can't wait to get this guy uh, before Congress, and I hope it's a public hearing. 
I'd like to know, in other words, why did the FBI director at the time, Mueller, how would you allow bribery, extortion, kickbacks, money laundering, and racketeering going on by Putin's thugs in the United States as he's trying to get a foothold in the Iranian market, not do anything about it, and then you have the attorney general at the time, Eric Holder, you have the secretary of state at the time, Hillary Clinton, you know, signing off on this deal, and then, of course, the kickback money and what I look at is maybe pay-to-play money given back to the Clintons. Well, that's exactly right. And then we also now know that even though the Democrats had always said, oh, this uranium can't be exported, so what's the big deal to national security, that actually it was exported. And we are trying to confirm, but we think it ended up in the hands of some countries that we don't want to have uh, our uranium. So this is a major, major issue. And for Robert Mueller or Eric Holder not to inform other members of that board, not to inform the Congress, that underlying this whole Uranium One proposal uh, was all this corruption. There's no justification for withholding that information. Um, but based on today's hearing, I think that Congress is going to have to do the heavy lifting. I think it's still possible to get a special counsel, but I think what, what's going to happen is we're going to have to have the informant come in. We're going to get all the But I was told to go public. By, by multiple DOJ sources directly to me that he did not recuse himself from Uranium One that he did not recuse himself from the dossier. Well, the, that, so, and maybe that's true, Sean. He did not answer that question directly. But with the dossier, it was very frustrating to listen to the exchange with Jim Jordan, because here's the thing. Even if you've recused yourself, it's a fact whether the FBI, did they or did they not pay Christopher Steele for this? The taxpayers have a right to know how their money was spent. Did the FBI or did they not use the information to get surveillance on Trump? As by, the, by the way, that, that could what if that was the predicate? In other words, the, the phony dossier that bought and paid for by Hillary and Hillary, her campaign and her running the DNC, according to Donna Brazil. What if that was the the tipping point for the FISA warrant or any other warrant that might have been issued? Uh, to start the investigation, allow surveillance of an opposition candidate like this. It would mean that the FBI launched a counterintelligence investigation based off opposition, political opposition research paid for by one political party for use against another's nominee. It would probably be the most politicized the FBI and Justice Department uh, has ever been, if in fact that's the case. And then once they got the surveillance, remember what happened. All the months of leaking to the press about, ooh, Trump campaign contacts with Russia, it was all this smoke and puff to try to advance the Russian narrative. There was never any facts that showed there was collusion, but that was what was used. The fruits of that surveillance, illegally leaked surveillance, was what the media used to advance the narrative for those many months up until the special counsel was appointed. I cannot believe that we've had a year's worth of investigation no evidence at all of Trump-Russia collusion. The indictment of Paul Manafort has nothing to do with Russia whatsoever. And here we have an overwhelming amount of incontrovertible evidence that, that we have Clinton, DNC, bought and paid for lies to influence an election. And we have utter, complete incompetence and potentially selling out our national security as it relates to Vladimir Putin and the Uranium One deal, because we have to we have to import uranium. We don't have enough for our own needs. So why would we ever allow a foreign entity, especially a hostile actor like like Russia and Putin, to take control of 20 percent of of our 
of our uranium, and then we know that it got shipped out. We know it went to to Europe. We know it also likely went to Asia and other places and Canada. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Congressman Ron DeSantis uh, at the bottom of the hour. Jeffrey Lord will check in with us, and uh, we'll check in with him. All right, as we continue with Congressman Ron DeSantis of uh, Florida, we're talking about uh, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, on Capitol Hill today. Uh, The Clintons have skated their entire life. As it relates to the dossier, well, that seems to me like like Hillary Clinton-Russian collusion bought and paid for salacious lies about Donald Trump to influence the election. Like you, I would like to know why James Comey wanted to pay them, this guy Christopher Steele, the $50,000 for these lies. Um, You can't find out we haven't found out if he did pay him any money yet well we can we just have to get the full weight of the house behind subpoenaing the document i think that they should just declassify all the fisa applications involving trump uh, but they've not been willing to do that and the reason i think is is because it's not sessions making the decision it's his deputy rod rosenstein and so he's really they've been fighting the congress on this i think we'll eventually get it but um but, is but isn't this a process. problem that that rosenstein and Mueller and others knew about, you know, a lot of the collusion as it relates to or the efforts of Putin's thugs in America, bribery, extortion, all the things we're talking about. You know, doesn't this maybe implicate them in some way? Don't they need to be answering questions on Uranium One? So therefore, anything associated with Russia and Clinton, they probably want to avoid? They're definitely uh, implicated in Uranium One. Mueller was the FBI director during this time. This would have been a major matter that the FBI was FBI was investigating given the foreign influence, given the uranium subject matter. And then Rosenstein is U.S. attorney from Maryland. He ended up prosecuting the main uh, protagonist here, McKeeran, in 2014. I think the question for Rosenstein is, when were you uh, given the case? And if you were given the case in 2009 or 2010 and there were already known violations of law, why did you wait to prosecute it until 2014? Maybe he has a good answer for that. I haven't heard it. But all of those issues are definitely going to need to be vetted in this uh, Uranium One investigation. I got to tell you, it's really beyond disconcerting not knowing. Uh, If my sources are right, there are serious investigations going on, and they're just not talking about it. At some point, you know, the American people seems like everything leaks as it relates to Trump. Nothing leaks on the Democratic side. It's unbelievable. Well, well, that's partially because, I mean, we have a a bureaucracy that's hostile to Trump, and that really, a lot of the leaking that's been done against Trump has been weaponized leaks designed to kneecap his administration. And it, it, it's concerning because they're violating a the lot to do. But it's also we have an election. We elect the president. The permanent bureaucracy doesn't like that president. So they're basically rebelling against the people's choice. Um, it really is just unacceptable. And I think you're right, Sean, about this two tiered justice system. I mean, look what the special counsel. They prosecute this Papadopoulos guy a false statement. He said he reached out to the professor two weeks before he became an advisor to the campaign, an unpaid advisor. Turns out it was two weeks after he became an unpaid advisor. So it was a false statement. There's no doubt about it. So he gets a felony plea. What about Hillary Clinton testifying before the Benghazi committee? She said that she turned over all her work-related emails. That is demonstrably false. She said her attorneys went through every single email and decided what was work-related. False. She said there were no classified markings on any of her emails. False. So she makes all these false statements. You have the same law that's supposed to apply to her, and yet she's never been even a slap on the wrist 
for any of those. All right, I got to let it go there. Uh, we're going to continue to follow this. 800-941-SHAWN, you want to be a part of the program. Did you call her a narcissistic loony tune? I am not going to comment on what I did or did not say uh, back in the late 90s. My nurse came back to the room, found me with my bloody swollen lip, and we left immediately and came home. He uh, I was getting ready and went to the door, and there I, there I sat on the bed, just devastated, and he goes to the door, casually puts on his sunglasses, and says, you better get some ice on that. She held on to my hand, and she said, do you understand everything that you do? I mean, cold chills went up my spine. That's the first time I became afraid of that woman. People have been harassing my husband for, gosh, I don't know, ever since I've known him. I believe she knew it. Just like I said, it was a political relationship that they had. It wasn't a normal, average um, marriage. She didn't even stand up for the women that knew what her husband did, and she knew what her husband did to those women. She, There's no way that she did not know that. Here they come again. We're going to have to just ride through this as we have so many of these other um, false accusations. There's been a lot of people that's come up dead in Arkansas, and I've had a lot of people ask me, aren't you scared for your life? And actually, I have been. We will destroy you is what they said to me. Who said? My brother said it on behalf of Billy when he was campaigning for him in 1992. I have to believe that it is in large measure motivated by people uh, who just flat out disagree with the kind of politics and policies that my husband believes are best for America. Bill, you're in any danger? And at this point, people Not anymore. You? I used to. You used I, to think that you I were in physical really, danger? I was threatened really, really, yeah, I was. I was very scared. I was horribly, horribly threatened. And, and people don't know that story. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that there are professional forces on the right um, at work for their own purposes and profit. Um, there are just so many curious relationships among a lot of people and various institutes and entities. Um, and I think that that deserves thorough investigation. Why did you originally deny it, considering this was a legal matter? Did you see what happened to Jennifer Flowers? Mm. Did you see what was happening to Paula Jones? My allegation. Yes. No, not afraid. I just, I just knew what would happen. If I ever had to meet her in person, it would be very hard for me not to walk up and smack her. <laughs> I know that sounds mean. I mean, she put me through a lot at 12 years old. I mean, I had to go look through this window and, and ID these guys. I just want to know, you got a daughter and a grandbaby, what happens if that daughter of yours, if that would have been her and they pulled you in at that time? to do that. What would you do? You would have def- you would have defend I mean you would have protected her where you don't know me so I'm a piece of crap to you. You know, who cares about me as long as you can win your first case as an attorney. And that was her first case ever. All right, glad you're with us. Twenty what, four now till the top of the hour, eight hundred nine four one Sean. So there you hear all of the women over the years that have talked about Bill Clinton, I think every one of them I have interviewed most of them multiple times. And in light of everything that has now shifted in reaction to the Roy Moore situation and and Hollywood, and it just goes on and on and on. You know, now even liberals are raising incredible points. And there's an article even in the New York Times, it's past time for the Clintons to be investigated 
for his victims of sexual assault. Here's another headline. Media forced to acknowledge Bill Clinton's alleged sex crimes. And then there's a Bill Clinton, The Atlantic, a reckoning, uh, a New York Times piece. This goes back to uh, what? This past week, this this week, I believe Juanita in the New York Times, in the New York Times. And you can flash back and see how the media handled all this. Dan Rather, oh, that... Uh, that those are old charges against Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. What's happening here? Is the day of reckoning? Does that mean everybody that made up every lie and every attack? Do you realize when you go through the list of women, you heard the voice of Dolly Kyle Browning. You heard the voice of Paula Jones. You heard the, the voice of Jennifer Flowers and Kathleen Willey and Juanita Broderick. And then, of course, this was all done. And then Monica Lewinsky happens, and it's a vast right-wing conspiracy. Hillary Clinton, champion of women's rights, she never did a thing as it relates to any of these women except partner with her best friends and smear and slander and besmirch any woman that dared to make any allegation against her husband. It seems to be compelling evidence that she knew the whole time. She's supposed to be the champion of women's rights, just like the money she took from these countries that abuse women and kill gays and lesbians and persecute Christians and Jews. Something we have chronicled as we're the only ones that do it. And now is the day of reckoning now here is the day of reckoning for, oh, drag a dollar through a trailer park. James Carville's comments, day of reckoning there for that. A day of reckoning for the attacks against all these women by the Clinton machine. Does it make a difference now? What about all the Democrats that went out there and defended everything, every night, every day? All of these tactics, all of these smears. Does it make a difference now? Jeff Lord, former associate political director in the Reagan administration, wrote the best-selling book, What America Needs. He wrote the case for Trump long before others thought that Donald Trump could win. He has an article in Today's American Spectator addressing a, a history of predators in, in politics. You know, it's fascinating, and I'm, I'm watching as you are, and it's, it's obviously getting worse for Judge Roy Moore every day. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at the entry in the yearbook, for example, that is, has made a lot of news, you look at that, sounded weird and so obviously that ted cruz and and others and john cornyn have now pulled their support for roy moore but if you compare and contrast the treatment of republicans versus democrats when these issues come up it's very different isn't it oh my absolutely absolutely and you know one interesting thing i heard from our friend rush today roy moore was a democrat for years and the first thought that went through my mind is Let's see. Nothing was said about this, and he was a Democrat. Now he's a Republican, and all of a sudden these stories are spilling out. Well, when did he become a Republican? You're saying that the allegations were at a time he was a registered Democrat. By the way, not that it matters to victims. No, no. I, I mean, absolutely. There's no Look, Sean, I mean, we, as conservatives, I mean, there's just no excuse for this. None. This kind of behavior. The point is here that it's a political issue. I mean, I wrote a column a few weeks ago when before we got here to Roy Moore. It was Harvey Weinstein. And I pointed out that in 1998 or 99, when Ken Starr had put out the Starr report on Bill Clinton, and, and all the stories were out there about Bill Clinton, who showed up? literally in front of Ken Starr's home in the suburbs of Virginia, but Michael Moore with a camera and a group of people dressed like Puritans. 
holding the star report up and yelling at him as he got into his car, as, as Star got into his car, fornicator, sinner, etc. Then they climbed on the back of a flatbed, flatbed truck, were driven all around Washington, and went up to Capitol Hill outside a hearing where Star was, etc., mocking members of Congress. The whole point of the exercise was that people who objected to the things that Bill Clinton had done with women were a bunch of Puritans and prudes and old-fashioned moralists, and they were out of touch with society. Well, that was the prevailing sentiment there. And there were, I found a review in the New York Times of Michael Moore's television show in which he showed this clip, and the, and the reviewer for the New York Times thought it was just fabulous, just terrific. Now, all of a sudden, these people are saying, my goodness, this is horrific, where were they? Where were they for decades? I mean, this is so inexcusable. And if there's one thing that could come out of this that's a good thing, is to put a stop for this. And the column I have today that you mentioned, the House and Senate can separately pass uh, resolutions putting out the, the sense of the Senate or the sense of the House of Representatives. And they can condemn the Clintons, and they can call for a committee action to investigate this stuff and give Juanita Broderick and these other women, their time uh, in in court, as it were. It's not going to be a court. It'll be the halls of Congress. But how about putting uh, putting you know your money where your mouth is and doing this? Where is Mitch McConnell doing this? Where, for that matter, in Alabama is Doug Jones, the the Democrat? Well, think of all the, the you know you can take it back even further. I mean, you know, look at the case of Mary Jo Kopechny. We know what Ted Kennedy did. I mean, Ted yeah. Kennedy, you know, drives off a bridge into water. He escapes. He leaves this girl who's in the car in the water to drown as he went home. He yeah. didn't tell anybody. He told nobody. And then only comes out the next day. Now, well, he was the respected lion of the Senate, Ted Kennedy. And many well, Republicans and, you know, got, al- got along with him. In, in 1990, he had the uh, famous waitress sandwich incident in a back room of a restaurant that I'd been at many times called the La Brasserie, a French restaurant. They had a private room. He was there with Chris Dodd. The two of them got drunk as skunks. This waitress goes in there to wait on them, and they throw her on the table and then, you know, position her between the two men, etc., and they're on the floor or on the chair, whatever. I mean, it's just disgusting. And then what happens? Nothing, nothing. And when I hear, you know, John McCain waxing indignant about Roy Moore, John McCain was in the Senate with Ted Kennedy. What did he do about this? Nothing. Not a single thing. Ted Kennedy, and I don't, I don't remember, you know, many people defending in the Republican Party the likes of all the women who I just mentioned. No, no. I actually took the time. I interviewed all of them numerous times. Yes, you did, and God bless you for doing that. I mean, because oh, by the way, I, I, I came under fire for doing that too. Anywhere else? Yeah. And, by the way, that's about the story of my whole life coming under fire. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I just think, Sean, that 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 if there's one good thing here that can come out of all this, have the Congress do something and call Clintons, both Clintons, to account on these things. Did the issue of the yearbook have an impact on you like it did me? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I just how does that how does that happen? I mean, you know, everybody gets older and <laughs> you just don't there are, there are just things instinctively that you just wouldn't do. Uh, I, I just I, I I just am appalled. <laughs> I don't know what else. So what to should happen? What do you think should happen? I really do think that the decision has to be made by the people of Alabama. 
uh, I mean, this is the United States Senate, and it's not run by senators in Washington. It's run by the people in the states. And, uh, you know, I think we just, you, people can get out there and say whatever they want to say, but this is a decision for the people of Alabama, and they have to make it. All right, I've got to take a quick break. We'll come back more with Jeff Lord. News Roundup, Information Overload. Sarah Carter and Burgess Owen will check in in the next hour. All right, as we continue with Jeff Lord, writes a piece in the American Spectator. Are you as surprised that, you know, I look through these articles today and I'm looking at, you know, these are people on the left now saying, uh oh, we now have to revisit how we treated all these Clinton women and how we were part of the efforts to slander, smear, besmirch, um, which I think would, if they mean it, that would be great. I'm not sure every Democrat wants to do it. And it seems when it comes to all things Clintons, it's circle the wagons at any cost. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, the, the first one that I saw that surprised me was Chris Hayes over there at MSNBC. Um, and then this Atlantic article was, was, wow, that was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But it, it just gets to the fundamental truth here. There are some things that should just be beyond partisan consideration. And uh, I, why they were quiet about all of this. And this was, I was in the Bush 41 administration when Clarence Thomas was nominated for the court. And I thought Clarence Thomas was smeared up and down. And I thought that no small part of it had to do with the fact that he was black and, and a conservative. But I, I saw all these women coming out saying that women tell the truth. There was a, a column in the New York Times, you know, listen to us, all this very sharp. It said, well, then you got to the Clinton episode and all these people were silent. silent not only silent, they were active supporters. And, and the Clinton folks were out there trying to destroy these women, destroy their reputations, destroy everything about them. And these people, including Hillary Clinton, were actively involved in this and not a peep. From these from these women, you know, women tell the truth. Suddenly now, all these people, you know, you drag the, the dollar bill through a hundred dollar bill, whatever it was, through a trailer park. No, it was I a mean, dollar bill. Just disgraceful. Just yeah, it was a it was a dollar bill. And even even Monica Lewinsky of all people, I mean, she got it the worst. Yes, she did. What are they? They called her a stalker and and all of this kind of thing. And and let's recall, I mean, Bill Clinton was how old at that point? And she was twenty two. He was the. Uh, pre- you want to talk about a power position? He yeah. was the president of the United States. That's right. I mean, having worked having worked for a president, a president. I mean, that's it, boy. When the boss speaks, you, you know, you you listen, and uh, that that kind of behavior coming from a sitting president of the United States or a past president of the United States is just beyond belief. All right, stay, and uh, you know, we got to let it go. But Jeff, great comments. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Uh, Sarah Carter, we're going to get into investigative journalists, breaking news on Fusion GPS. And now it looks like we're going to get to the bottom of the dossier. And will we get to the bottom of Uranium One and the truth behind the corruption? Also, Burgess Owen, well, he'll respond to the whole issue of GQ's decision to nominate, you know, a known cop hater and thug dictator supporter Colin Kaepernick as their citizen of the year. That and more straight ahead. Did the FBI pay Christopher Steele, the author of the dossier? Uh, those are matters you'll have to uh, direct to the, um, uh, I think, maybe the special counsel. 
And why is that? It's just, I'm just asking if some well, of I'm not able the to uh, reveal uh, internal investigatory uh, matters you know, in here that's under the investigation of anybody, but particularly, I think, the... This happened uh, in the summer of 2016. We know the Clinton campaign, the Democrat National Committee, paid through a law firm, Fusion GPS, to produce the dossier. We know the author was Christopher Steele. It's been reported that he was on the payroll of the FBI. I'm just wanting to know if, in fact, that is the case. I'm not able to provide an answer to you. Did the FBI present the dossier to the FISA court? I'm not able to answer that. Do you know if the FBI did the established process protocol in evaluating claims made in the dossier? I'm not able to answer that. On January 6th, then FBI Director James Comey briefed President-elect Trump up in New York about the dossier. Shortly thereafter, that the fact that that meeting took place and the subject of the meeting was the dossier was leaked to CNN. Do you know who leaked that information? I do not. Are you investigating who leaked that information? That would be a matter within the investigatory uh, powers of the special counsel. You said you got Department a number of, of investigations Justice. going on, Mr. Attorney General, regarding leaks. Is that likely one of those that you're investigating? I'm not able to reveal the existence of investigations or not. But my concern is we sent you a letter three and a half months ago asking for a second special counsel. And if you're now just considering it, what's it going to take to get a special counsel? We know that we know that former FBI Director James Comey misled the American people in the summer of 2016 when he called the Clinton investigation a matter. It's obviously an investigation. We know FBI Director Comey was drafting an exoneration letter before the investigation was complete. We know Loretta Lynch, one day before the Benghazi report came out, five days before Secretary Clinton was scheduled to be interviewed by the FBI, met with former President Bill Clinton on a tarmac in Phoenix. Um, we know after that meeting, when she was corresponding with public relations people at the Justice Department, she was using the name Elizabeth Carlisle. You know, as I've said before, it seems to me if you're just talking golf and grandkids, you can probably use your real name. We know that Mr. Comey publicized the investigation, and we know he made the final decision on whether to prosecute or not. And then when he gets fired, he leaks a government document through a friend to the New York Times, and what was his goal? to create momentum for a special counsel. And of course, it can't just be any special counsel. It's got to be Bob Mueller, his best friend, his predecessor, his mentor. The same Bob Mueller who was involved, we've now learned in this whole investigation with the informant regarding uh, Russian businesses wanting to do business in the Iranian business here in the United States regarding the Iranian One deal. So I guess my main question is, what's it going to take if all that, not to mention the dossier information, what's it going to take to actually get a special counsel? It will take a factual basis that meets the standards of the appointment of a special and is counsel. That, is that analysis going on right now? Well, it's in the uh, manual of the Department of Justice about what's required. We've only had two. The first one was the Waco, Janet Reno, um, Senator Danforth, who took over that investigation as special counsel, and Mr. Mueller. Each of those are pretty uh, special factual situations. Let me ask it this and way. And we will use the proper standards, and that's what I, only thing I can tell you, Mr. Jordan. Well, I, I appreciate You can that, have your ask... idea, but sometimes we have to study what the facts are and to evaluate so, whether it meets the standard well said. So requires let me ask you this. If in fact, a special counsel.
And, uh, Mr. Attorney General, um, does your recusal from investigations related to the interference by Russia in the 2016 presidential campaign apply to any investigations regarding efforts by the Democratic National Committee and the Clinton campaign uh, to secretly fund uh, a scurrilous and widely discredited dossier on uh, candidate uh, Donald Trump? Mr. Chairman, um, anything that uh, arises in this nature uh, that may be or may not be connected to the my recusal on the question of the campaign in Russia uh, would be discussed between me, uh, the senior ethics advisor uh, at the Department of Justice, and that's how I make my decision. That's what I promised to do when I was confirmed before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and that's what I will do. And I'm unable to uh, provide information to you as to what decision would be, has been made in this matter. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. Those were the hearings earlier today. Congressman Jim Jordan really putting it to the Attorney General, uh, Jeff Sessions, and Steve Shabbat, Congressman Ohio, also doing the same thing. Uh, Joining us now to react to all of this, Sarah Carter. She has been in the forefront as an investigative journalist on all of these issues, and very particularly Fusion GPS and Uranium One. And uh, Sarah joins us now. What was your reaction, especially to the Jim Jordan questioning? Well, I thought first, uh, Jim Jordan's questions, uh, Congressman Jordan, was, was they were great because it was getting out there. People were hearing the same questions that Congress has been reiterating over and over again. So the public was able to see what was really frustrating a lot of the members of Congress. But secondly, another really important point, Sean, was that a lot of those questions are considered, I've talked to sources, I went, I was in the hearing, and immediately following that discussion, I was on the phone with people. A, a lot of that is classified. It would have been the place for the attorney general to speak and to answer a lot of those questions regarding the FBI, whether or not they paid, how much were they paying Christopher Steele, if they paid Christopher Steele for the dossier, did they help fund it? All of those questions are considered right now part of an ongoing investigation and are classified. So they are things that are being looked into, but the attorney general just can't answer those questions in a public setting, and I don't even think in a private setting right now as these investigations are ongoing. All right. So my sources told me, and and this is what you do every day, so I know you have better sources than me, that in fact, Jeff Sessions did not recuse himself from any Uranium One investigation. Now, what he was saying there is, number one, I can't tell you if there's an ongoing investigation. We're not allowed to tell you that. And number two, he said there's not enough basis to appoint a special counsel for Hillary. Now, I personally think, you know, in light of previous remark, it seemed it seemed that he had been saying he wouldn't deal with anything involving Clinton. My sources are strongly telling me that that's not the case. I want to know what you're hearing. I'm hearing exactly what you're hearing, Sean, and it's what I've been saying on your show over and over and over again. There, There is no evidence that he's recused himself from Uranium One, first off. Secondly, discussing that publicly would or would not reveal what they are doing within the Department of Justice right now, and I think they're being very cautious. I brought this up before. This was a main reason why um, they went after former FBI Director Comey, for talking about these investigations in such detail publicly. And I mean, even to the point where we see a lot of the congressional members, you know, questioning Comey's 
ability to make his own decisions on whether or not they should proceed with any kind of case against uh, Hillary Clinton, which was not his place. In fact, it was it was it was supposed to be up to the Justice Department to make those decisions. And the FBI has to be impartial actors, not politicized whatsoever. Just bring the facts before the Department of Justice, and then let. But, the but we know, Department but we know that didn't that. happen with James Comey. The James it Comey exonerated happen. Hillary Clinton. That James Comey changed the exoneration letter from the legal standard gross negligence to extreme carelessness for very specific reason. We know that he took the advice of Loretta Lynch and said it was a matter, not an investigation, even though he believed it was an investigation. And it seems he didn't even do an investigation. That's true. And that's what's so frustrating. It's frustrating for both the public. It's more frustrating, believe it or not, for all of those FBI agents that were involved in this investigation, the people that were on the ground that were doing all the hard work for their director to come out and make this decision and sidestep them. And that's exactly what I've been told. They were sidestepped. But it doesn't mean that if they don't call a special counsel that this isn't being investigated. Remember, this is going to be up to the Department of Justice. They are going to have prosecutors looking at this. The FBI is now involved in this. There's a new director, Director Ray. There's going to be a lot of movement within the FBI. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. I've been hearing a lot of different things. I've been hearing that a lot of people whose names we even know are going to be long gone. I've been hearing the same thing. So we may see possibly a new deputy director at the FBI uh, being announced. And remember this, there's a large number, and you brought this up earlier, Sean, there's a large number of investigations into leaks. Well, those leaks came from somewhere. So they're looking at leaks within the FBI. They're looking at leaks in other departments, like within the Department of Justice. What came out? Who had information? Who had access to information, such as Michael Flynn's name, when his name was leaked? And there's also a, a lot of talk among sources that I've spoken to that people are even being questioned at the FBI, that they're asking people one by one, you know, what information did you have? I mean, there is a leak, an ongoing leak investigation right now. Some of it deals with the stories that we're talking about or with Hillary Clinton and with other issues such as Mike Flynn and the Russia investigation. And there's other issues of leaks that deal with national security issues, leaks that went to the media that affect our national security. So there's a movement to clean house, but it's it's a process that's not always public, and according to the sources, can be quite frustrating to the rest of us who want answers. Unbelievable. All right, let's talk about the Department of Justice. This all got started, as your article pointed out, because of congressional inquiries that went back, I guess, as early as July. And I guess from the perspective of somebody that has now watched a year's worth of Trump-Russia nonsense, black helicopter conspiracy theories on the issue of Comey, on the issue of the email server scandal, on the on the issue of we now know Hillary uh, and her campaign and the DNC she controlled that they funded Fusion GPS to, to to put forward slanderous lies against against Donald Trump, and then we know on top of it, we have to wonder if that was the primary reason that a FISA warrant was given, which you first reported on, you know, however many months ago, and whether or not it was used for any other warrants. And then, of course, the Uranium One deal. And now we know a lot more about that. I'll ask about that in a second. Yeah, I mean, if we're stories and how they're impacting everything in our society right now, and even Trump-Russia collusion narrative, even Senator Feinstein has come out and said, we don't have any evidence of, of direct collusion or any kind of collusion 
between the Trump administration and Russia. All right, they stay have- right there. we got to take a break. We're getting a bad connection here. We'll try and get a reconnect with Sarah Carter, investigative reporter. Take a quick break. We'll come back more with Sarah Carter. And at the bottom of the hour, the one and only Burgess Owens will comment on GQ's decision, yes, to nominate cop hater Colin Kaepernick as their Citizen of the Year. And as we continue, investigative reporter Sarah Carter. All right. In 2009, about a year, year and a half before the Uranium One deal was signed off on, we now know that the FBI director at the time, Robert Mueller, and we now know the attorney general certainly knew that we had an FBI informant, somebody that had picked up that Vladimir Putin, the bad actor, Russians, had literally made it to America, were committing crimes like bribery and extortion and and kickbacks and money laundering and racketeering for the very purpose of getting a foothold in the uranium market. They didn't do anything to stop it. Not only that, while we have to import uranium because we don't have enough uranium as a country, the foundational materials for nuclear weapons, well, Vladimir Putin not only got it, but then, of course, then you got the money connections with the people involved in the deal, kicking back $145 million of the Clinton Foundation doubling bills, speaking fees, etc. As it relates to the Uranium One deal, how can Robert Mueller investigate anything Russia, or Rod Rosenstein for that matter, or any number of people, when in fact they were involved and knew about what had happened here and did nothing to stop it? Well, of course, there's enormous concern there, right? I mean, people want a very impartial look at this, and I think that's why Representative Jordan and others are asking for a special counsel. They're saying, even inside, the deputy you know, attorney general is is somebody that was too closely connected to this case. We need some impartiality here, and maybe this is why they're pursuing a, a special counsel for this investigation. We know that the informant was not somebody that the FBI had to strong arm. That means he wasn't a bad guy that was doing something bad that they got to work for them. He was somebody that came to the Justice Department and said, look, I went to take this job and I was told I had to be a part of this uh, scheme with the Russians. I don't want to do this. I'm reporting it to you because I feel as an American citizen, it's my duty to let you know what's going on here. And instead, of course, they wanted more information and they said, no, please stay inside work for us, let us know what's going on, and they kept him there for four years. So he spent four years of his life undercover, basically turning information over to the FBI and the DOJ with the hope, with the hope, Sean, that they would do something. And when it came down to it, when he saw the passage of Uranium One by Cepheus, there was a moment I had spoken with his attorney, and, and I, you know, I've also met him myself through his attorney. Uh, he said, well, what is going on here? Why are they not using the information that I've been providing? Does anybody on the CFIUS board know what's going on? And the only answer, apparently, that he got was, just ask your politics. It's politics. Wow. So that's very concerning as well. Oh, yeah, and that's going to come out how soon before he testifies before Congress? Well, we're expecting it to happen soon, Um, certainly before the end of the year, and there's not much of the year left. So he will definitely be testifying before Congress before the end of the year, and I'm sure he is preparing um, with his attorney for that. So there's going to be a lot of revelations. He is a small piece of a very large puzzle, and I think that's why we just keep emphasizing over and over again there needs to be an investigation. Sarah Carter, investigative reporter, thanks for being with us. This is really getting interesting, peeling away the layers of an onion. All right, when we come back, Burgess Owen, NFL Super Bowl champion, author of the book Liberalism, or 
how to turn good men into whiners, weenies, and wimps. He's going to talk about GQ's decision to nominate cop hater Colin Kaepernick as their Citizen of the Year. That's next. Uh, Eagles' Malcolm Jenkins met with lawmakers to help the uh, community. He went to Washington. Uh, Dolphins' Kenny Stills met with Miami police to talk about law enforcement and bridging the gap. That's the type of proactive uh, meetings. Not saying there's no issues to be addressed, but go address the issues. Well, here's the thing. We have a chance to either serve or complain. Uh, we can demand or command. Uh, we command by getting out there and, and, and doing the, the heavy lifting. This guy, Kaepernick, has not done a thing but complain. And now he's being quiet, and that's supposed to be a badge of honor now. No, you stand up and you, you articulate yourself, you, you, you explain what you're all about, and, de- and defend yourself. You don't sit there quietly behind the curtains, let everybody else do, do the heavy lifting for you. All right, that was Burgess Owen on Fox & Friends this morning. Um, I see the news now, Monday night football ratings, near season low as the Panth- uh, Panthers beat the Dolphins last night. And once again, three Miami Dolphins took a knee during the playing of the National Anthem. And once again, the Florida NFL team came up short in primetime. And uh, the ratings are looking at now is just atrocious. And all of which saw the week of, you know, now week 10, Monday Night Football, got a 6.2 in metered market results. And that is extraordinarily low. And it's a decline of 18% from the previous week's Monday Night Football. Now it's having a massive impact on the entire game and an entire feeling in the country about the NFL. It used to be America's favorite sport. Now, according to polls, well, that would be baseball. Joining us to discuss it, NFL Super Bowl champion, author of the brand new book, Liberalism, or How to T- Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. Anyway, GQ made the decision to nominate cop hater and supporter of, of a thug dictating murderer, Fidel Castro, uh, Colin Kaepernick, as their Citizen of the Year. How are you, sir? Good to see you. Sean, good to be back again, my friend. Looking forward to it, for sure. You know, um, I, I've just come to... Uh, absolutely love you more, loved you as a player. How did you come up with the title, liberalism, or how to turn good men into whiners, weenies, and wimps? Well, first of all, I came from a different generation. My my folks were, uh, my dad was a very proud veteran. He served in the Philippines, and my uncle served in Germany. And uh, to the very last day, they thought that was the greatest decision they've ever made. So I grew up in a, in a country of black Americans who loved our country, believed in the American dream, and figured that we can overcome racism by winning. I was coming home from D.C. one day, one night, I was hearing these three guys, uh, three black uh, attorneys uh, complain about what's going on in our country. The guys are living the American dream, and yet they're just complaining about it. And I called in and get, happened to get through, and I said, I just want to talk to your whiner, weenie, and wimp. And it was silence. That's what you named it. <laughs> so what, what was that, a radio show? <laughs> it was a radio show. And uh, Did you tell them who you were? <laughs> yeah, I did. But uh, it was silence. And uh, that was that was maybe 10 years ago. So I figured I'd use that title because it was very appropriate. Well, you got everybody's attention. There's no doubt about it. Um, it, it is something to, to for GQ to make a decision. <laughs> you know, look, everybody's entitled their opinion. Colin Kaepernick wants to refer to cops as pigs on his socks and wants to take a knee, he has, I guess, every right to do it. But the NFL has all sorts of free speech restrictions. You you can't, you know, pretend you're shooting a bow and arrow after a touchdown. You can't taunt other players. You can't say what you want to the refs. Right. Um, there's a lot of restrictions on free speech in the NFL. And that's what they're paying the price for because they, uh, unfortunately, with the NFL today, they're, they're not the same guys as Pete Rozelle who served in the war, uh, Al Davis who was just winning baby and just loved our country. It's a different 
leadership, and I'm surprised the owners haven't gotten got it. It's got a guy who's a bureaucrat. He came out of college, went into the pros, and now uh, now asking for $50 million. There's a different way of looking at manhood from those $50 guys. $50 million in a lifetime private jet. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have an attack on manhood. That, to me, is what the real conversation needs to be. We have a guy now who's now on the cover of the magazine who's saying this is the man of the year. That's not what black men do. That's not what men do. Men stand up. They man up. They, they look to their God. They, 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 they praise their country, and they go out and roll up their sleeves and go to work. They don't sit down and complain. They don't make millions of dollars and then pay other people to do what they should be doing. We have right now, the question should be in our black community is what are we doing to protect our kids? These are black men now. Black men, what are you doing to make sure you're... Isn't, you're it, isn't it really everybody? It is everybody, but I'll say this. Our, my race has been attacked very, very long, for over 100 years now. So we are really, if you want to look at the prototype of where our country can be, if we don't man up, this is what happens to our country. If we take away God, take away the man, take away the, the family, take the man out of the family, and you take away the entrepreneurial spirit. We now have very wealthy, powerful men that are sitting down with white men asking them to handle the black problem. That right there talks about what, what the issue is. Why do you say, uh, I guess, is it because a lot of the players that have been taking a knee are, are, are black Americans or... That's why I'm, I'm pointing to it, and again, I'm, I'm from a perspective of coming from the black community, and you have to understand why I'm so passionate about this, because I grew up in a community that was very proud, very patriotic, very entrepreneurial, very successful, and we were told to go out and win. So I, I'm looking at perspective of 50 years and where we are now, so I, I'm a little bit more passionate maybe than most people are, because I want answers, and I'm really tired of seeing our, 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 our environment, urban city, being killing fields. We're killing our babies. We're killing the hopes of our, and dreams of our, of, our, of our young men. We're killing each other. And at the same time, the people overseeing it are being praised at this, this great people that love our race. Well, the truth is, if they're not doing the right things, if they're not coming with the right answers, we need to look for other answers. And that's why my, my thing is let's be independent, political independent. Let's vote for those guys who vote for values, vote for our values and, and principles first, and we'll win this fight. How bad do you think the damage is going to be long-term to the NFL for what has now gone on two seasons, not just one? I, I made a statement. I think it's the sea change. Uh, Sean, you know, we bought into the NFL in that aura because of the way we felt years and years ago. We're now feeling differently. We now have people deciding, like myself, I have not looked at any game this year, and I will not. I'm not watching it either. And, and you know, the thing I'm, is, I might have next year, I'll probably have some other habits. What's happening in our country is we begin to reevaluate where we spend our time, and do we feel better not looking, or do we feel better looking? This is a great moment for the NFL to really stand up. And like I said, if, if it had been the right type of leadership, instead of uh, looking at social justice, we were looking at man-up justice. Talk to these young men about what they can do themselves with their power and wealth to change their communities. You know, one of the things that I always loved about the NFL, and I, now I'm watching college football more than I ever have, is you see the best of the best. You know, two teams, the most gifted, talented athletes that work really hard to get chosen. You look at college football. College football, the talent level is amazing, and only maybe one or two guys on each college team will ever think about the NFL. That's how... That's how what an honor it is to make it into that elite level. Yeah. And you'd watch these guys, the Warriors on the field. They fight to win. You see the amazing talent. I, I just happen to be a big fan of a, a quarterback over the over the head into the bread basket, diving in the end zone and win. I mean, there's nothing better than that because, you know, throwing a ball, it's like you're threading a needle, literally a needle. And, and to me, the art of that, the skill of that is fascinating. And, you know, you watch somebody like, like Plaxico Burris grab it with one hand, pull it down, or somebody like that. It's amazing, right? Well, you, you know. But I then in the end, but then it was non-political. Yes. You know, it was, there was no race involved. It was America loved to watch the best. 
And then after the game, oftentimes people on both sides get in the middle of the field. They say a prayer, including even the refs. And it was like shaking each other's hand, banging each other's helmet. Great game. Great, you know, fun I, time. I experienced it this weekend. There was a, a, one of those teary moments again, like when I used to stand on the sidelines back in the days. And I went down to see the University of Miami. I'm a, I'm a hurricane. We played against the, the Notre Dame. Aren't you guys number two? Yeah. And, and well, this is, this is what got me. Uh, after all the discussions we're having, I saw Ibis, the, the mascot, running out with the flag, and all these guys, black and white, following them. And then they all stood on the sideline with a hand on their hearts. And then about 25 of those guys ran through the end zone after the, after the, uh, uh, the national anthem, got on their knees and said a prayer, and they got up and they went out and kicked butt. That is what. That was a big game. They, that was, they were on fire. It was a big game, but also if those guys can learn those lessons that they are learning right now, first of all, you appreciate where you are. Then you ask for help and, 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 and help for divine, ask for divine help to get over whatever you're getting over. And then get up and go to work. That is the message, actually. If we can have our kids from college to learn that in the pro, we'll have a whole different NFL. I just wish that, for example, we watched an unprecedented amount of, of shootings and murder in Chicago. I, I think all these, if the NFL got involved, if the players got involved and they went into these communities and they said, we, we can't kill each other here. You know, we, we've got to do better than, you know, 50 shootings on a weekend. You know, we, we had the church shooting down in Texas, got all the news. But that same weekend in Chicago, they had more shootings That's right. than what happened in Texas. Brian, in, in the introduction, Brian listed a few young men that are actually going out in the community, and those people need to be highlighted. You see, Kaepernick is doing a, nothing but complaining. He's making millions of dollars. And he's, and he, well, he and donated he, money to one group that supports a cop killer. Well, how about this? How about he build a group? Do him, give himself a group himself and do something. And this, it, that's a, that's a cop-out. Donating money is a cop-out. Go out and make it, roll up your sleeves, go on there and, and, and talk to these guys and serve the community and good things begin to happen. What are you doing with your life now? You should be I, a preacher. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I've been looking for 20, oh, 30 years for the right place, and I found something called One Heart Project, which is working with young, um, young guys coming out of uh, the juvenile system and helping them to transition into the real world. We, that is a lost population. How is it working? It is working great. It's, it's, it's a passion for me. It's what I've been looking for. My dad and I talked about this for, for decades. Uh, yeah. This was his passion, I, and I'm fortunate to, to see it through. And that's where we're going to get our kids back because they're going to grow up and man up and, and, and that's tell it, us You're either going to get them there or it's over. Yeah. And by the way, we lose a lot of these kids in first grade. And by the time they get to fifth grade, they're so far behind, they're never going to catch up. That The educational system kills them. We're, we're fighting an ideology, uh, Sean, and that's, that, that's what I appreciate about what all you guys, all you guys that are actually standing up and manning up, we're fighting ideologists so, so against the Judeo-Christian values. They're going to try to demean and ban God, the family, then manhood. You take away manhood, then what's left? But, there's, what's but a lot of people think manhood, they think macho. They think, oh, you know, you got to puff up your chest. That's not what you're talking about. No, manhood to me is someone who's willing to sacrifice all. When he say, I love you more than that, he means everything. He was willing to sacrifice everything, the family, this country, his God, to make that all survive. And it's actually just a person who's just willing to serve everything. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about service. And the greatest service should be the man, in my, in my, the way I was brought up, Lead. the greatest service should be the man in the house. Yeah. Oh, but boy, that makes you a sexist. You know, you're probably like Mitt Romney, for crying out loud, want to, hiring, want to hire women. Um, so I recently had an opportunity. I, I was invited to Rikers Island. I don't think I'm ever going to be invited back. I, you know the story. So I go in there, and I'm watching, and there's a guy, very nice man, and he's a pastor, and I'm watching him drone on and on, and the guys that are sitting there can't take it anymore. <laughs> 
So I'm the next speaker. I just said to everybody, do you guys mind? There was a, a group over here of the family, and they were watching, and I said, and then these guys were sitting in front of you. I said, everyone mind if I turn my back to you and if I, I talk, talk to, to these years. guys directly? Yeah. First thing I said, I'm not going to speak more than 10 minutes. And the next thing I just started doing, I just, I was real with them. I, I threw a lot of expletives out, and I'm like, okay, you're going to get out of here. Some of you are going to come back. Do you want to be the guy that comes back? Do you want to go out? Do you want to work? Do you want a house? Do you want a car? Do you want to build a family? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to be able to go to a nice restaurant? Do you want, do you want the simple freedom of going to a Wendy's and getting a Wendy's quarter pounder? Do you want that? Do you want that? Because otherwise you're going to be a blanking, 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 blank, or you're a loser. And I said, <coughs> if my advice to all of you is get away from your stupid friends and if that means abandoning your family that is corrupt and, and leading you in the wrong, get away from them. Go find a job somewhere. And then I told them about all the jobs I did in my life, starting with washing dishes and, and cooking and, and bussing tables and, and waiting and, and, and laying tile and framing homes and doing roofing and painting and wallpaper hanging. I did it all. I said, that's how you do it. And I don't think they're going to invite me back because there were too many expletives. Well, let me tell you something. But uh, I thought that was real. Yeah. I was trying to be real with them. What's really real with those young men and everybody else, and that's including those kids that are watching these, the NFL today and watching these guys take a knee, is about hope. Yeah. Our responsibility at the end of the day is our life is about hope, helping others have more, more hope than when they, when they had when we first met them. And those young men, men in, the, in, these, uh, in the situation of these correction centers, they come out and they have no hope. They, they're looking around and there's no, no example. Then they look at a, a guy who's making millions of dollars a Kaepernick and taking a knee because he's telling how dark America is. So it's going to come down to, first of all, black conservatives standing up, getting in there, rolling up our sleeves. And let me just say this one thing about yeah. what I expect of white Americans. We need to make sure that the, the boot of the Democratic Party, the socialists, taking off the necks of my race. You do that, and we can do the rest. At the end of the day, stop electing these people do nothing but profit off of our misery. And I look back, and I see uh, the latest is Star Parker. She's, she's now called an ignorant by this uh, uh, Republican yeah. Republican really? I didn't see that. I know yeah. Star well. Yeah. I like her a lot. And this is the problem. We have these white liberals who, who attack our women with no response, no accountability, and they feel emboldened by it. So she's telling, she's talking about uh, about abortion, what's happening. And he's calling her ignorant, and then he then he expects her to to give give uh, him an apology. And I would say to him, this is this Republican from Tennessee. Not only is he disrespectful, but I would also say he's a mess. He's what's what's the problem with our community, and so we need to do something about that. All right, Burgess Owen, NFL Super Bowl champion, his book Liberalism or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. We'll put it up on Hannity.com. Uh, Burgess, God bless you. I love what you're doing. You are a a voice of reason and hope in a very difficult time. God bless you, my friend. Thank it's you. always an honor Thank to you, see you. Can Same I have that buddy. Super Bowl ring, by the way? Can I, can I wear that for an hour? <laughs> we will come back and we will continue. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We'll continue. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Amazing Hannity tonight. All right, we're going to illustrate, like never before, all that is important in terms of why a special counsel would be needed, why there were crimes committed, what crimes were committed. We'll do the media's job. That's tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. We have Representative Jim Jordan, Representative Gates, Jay Sekulow, Peter Schweitzer, Sebastian Gorka, uh, Sarah Carter, John Solomon. That's all tonight, 9 Eastern, a blockbuster Hannity on the Fox News. Channel. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, old spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. 
Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.